Welcome back. It's episode three, and uh, this time around we have uh, Austin Garrett and Jordan Millette. Um And uh, Jordan, uh, you haven't been on the podcast in a while. What's what's new, buddy? What's what's going on? Well, yeah, it's it's been a little bit of a time. <laughs> yeah, it's been a little bit uh, since I've been on here, but. I've been good. It's been a busy past couple of weeks focusing on the U16 uh, OHL drafts. So that's that was the past couple of weeks for me, and now back into the draft swing of things. Um, looking back at the mostly the more North American draft eligibles. Nice, nice. And uh, what's going on uh, in Buffalo, Austin? Uh, Jordan and I are just celebrating another Bills victory over here. Uh, pretty much what we're doing. Um, no, nothing much, man. Just uh, finishing up. Uh, we're getting ready for the rankings. I uh, have a couple more players to watch, but yeah, I've made my first top 32 ish list. I don't know how I feel about it, but I know I have one. <laughs> um, so, anyways, um, we kind of got together. Uh, we invited Jordan on here. Jordan, always great to see you. Um, but like we were talking a little bit before the podcast um, of playing a little game of as we get into ranking season, we're looking at kind of maybe some consensus rankings, looking at our own lists right now, um, and then starting to kind of filter out who would we pick between two players. Um, and I know uh, Jordan, you and I kind of go back and forth some of the, some of the time uh, through DMs and, and privately about some of these players. And then um, Josh is kind of the expert on the Europeans too. And uh, he has a good handle on just about everything else that's going on that uh, I thought we would kick off by doing like, who would you rather draft? And Jordan, since you knew the podcast, I'm going to start with you. Uh, who would you rather draft in the first round or in any, any round? I'm spoiling things. Um, William Whitelaw. Or Jaden Perron? Yeah, it's a tough one for me. I mean, I, I have them like pretty close together. And I think if you asked me a couple weeks ago, I would say William Whitelaw, hands down. Um, he was just a player that after the Holinka, I just was absolutely in love with. He was just a ton of fun, a ton of dynamic skill, um, and just just goes. And he just brought me joy. So, but now <laughs> that I've watched, I've watched Perron more, I think uh, while Will Whitelaw may have kind of more just pure talent. Perot, I think, is more, I guess, practically using his skill and um, pushing play to high danger a bit more, a bit more of a better passer, playmaker, and a little bit less fun, I guess, than Will Whitelaw. But um, I guess now I'm leaning more Jaden Perot, I guess. But it is close, and I can change my opinion in the next week or so. But at the moment, I guess I lean Perot by a hair. I'm going to be honest with you. You shocked me with that answer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've been... Uh, you can vouch how many times I've said will whitelaw's name in our in our chat of um he's just a guy that i don't know i, I loved him after lincoln i watched him more with youngstown and i loved him as well but um perron has just been on fire with the steel and i think there's just a little bit more practicality i guess with him uh, for, for background jordan was uh scouting very heavily the u.s development camp for the holinka this summer and it was in buffalo so i got to go to the arena and we'd be randomly texting and it was it was a gush fest for William Whitelaw and I, I really he he turned me on to William Whitelaw and uh I'm I'm surprised, Jordan. But I agree with your assessment. Yeah, it's it's growth. I'm I'm growing and I'm <laughs> taking the blinders off and um you should be proud. It's a it's a good step forward for me at this time. Look, every time I have a white claw, I'll I'll make sure to cover up the C and send it to you still. Um <laughs> 
Uh, next up, Josh, we're going over the seas. Uh, Matt Vay Mishkov or Leo Carlson? Um, well, hold on. So first of all, um, uh, I just want to apologize to the NHL in case we in case we get sued for having the Maple Leafs goal horn go off. I uh, I hadn't had the <laughs> I hadn't had the chance to talk since the point. So <laughs> please don't sue me. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah. So um, uh, yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, Leo Carlson or Matt Mitchkov? Um, yeah, for me, it's Leo Carlson at this point. Um, uh, you know, I, um, you know, you are seeing a very, very dynamic, um, you know, uh, I, I'm trying to think six, two, six, three, um, center, um, you know he's you know he is truly dynamic with the puck off the I mean off the the rush, um, he is intimidating, um, yeah like and like you know and he is doing well at um you know at the SHL level so it's um you know so it is just a joy to see and um yeah for me yeah for me right now it would definitely be Leo. Ooh, getting a little spicy. I like this. Uh, I have, uh, I put myself down for um, uh, the NTDP players. Feel free to join if you if you all have thoughts on this one. For me, uh, I've been watching a lot of the NTDP the last two days of all their forwards and trying to sift through them. So for me, it was Oliver Moore or Will Smith. Um, it's gotten close, and I really didn't want it to get close. Similar to like what we're talking about with Jordan and William Whitelaw, I think I've been on the Oliver Moore bandwagon since July, August, and um, I would say I still, oh gosh, I made a preliminary list. I think I have like Moore at twelve and Whitelaw at four or Whitelaw. <laughs> See what you got me doing, Jordan uh, Smith at uh, at fourteen. I think. The biggest change for me, I had Smith above Moore for a little bit, and then they put Moore back at center. So Oliver Moore and Danny Nelson have been kind of intertwining, like who plays the Wayne and who plays center, and Moore started the year at center, or uh, at Wayne, Nelson started at center. Uh, they've shifted Moore to center the last week, two weeks here, and he's been doing exactly what he did over the summer in the U-17s last year in that I think like 80% of the offensive transitions are off his stick. Um this is more stylistically comparison. It's not player comparison, but he, he does have a little bit of Brad Lambert in him in terms of like, he is an excellent skater and he is a transition monster and he only attacks the offensive zone with speed. So he can kind of, he can kind of just like stay on the outside and then people are happy to let him go around the outside and a horseshoe around the offensive zone. He's kind of looking to feed that, uh, that pass to the interior, but not really looking to attack the interior too often. Um, he's got a filthy shot. Um, but where I would take Will Smith would be, uh, I like Will Smith in the cycle game. I think he has a little bit more small area skill, um, a little bit more speed variation in terms of how he attacks the middle. Um, his passing's a little bit um, more high end in terms of being able to to uh, deceptively move a player off of a, a spot and then hit him right behind, or or to be able to thread a, a pass underneath a stick. Um, but in terms of just pure offensive potential, I, I lean more and more probably one of the better defender uh, def defensive forwards in this class, um, especially um, at defending blue lines and, and getting, just getting up on, on top of players at, uh, in the neutral zone or, or right when they get into the offensive or defensive zone. So I'm going to lean more with that one. I don't know if either of you have thoughts there. Uh, yeah, I, 
I watched the NTDP, I wouldn't say in great detail, but a decent amount about a month ago. Um, and I came away thinking that Ollie Moore would, didn't have as much upside as Will Smith, I guess, was my initial assessment. I thought Moore was a great kind of F1 puck pursuit, up and down the ice kind of guy who was just applying pressure like crazy, forcing turnovers, and was just that sort of pesty bulldog, whatever you want to call it. Um, whereas I thought Will Smith had a bit more of that creativity and that offense and a bit more, as you said, the small area stuff as well. But um, I, I think there's just a little bit more upside with Will Smith that made me a little bit more excited than Ollie Moore, I guess. For me, it's close. I think right now, I lean more. I just think that Moore's the more dynamic forward right now. Um, but um, but I really, really like Will Smith's fishing ability. So, but yeah, I yeah for right now, I lean more, but. It is, um, yeah, it is close. I feel like I haven't had that moment of clarity, Jordan, <laughs> that you were talking about before. I feel like for me, it's just like I'm still heading on to that straw right now. Like, I, I still, it's still there. Um, so for, we have a bunch of ones that we'll, we'll all talk about in kind of rapid fire succession. I think for the most part, most of us will be on the same page for these, but I think consensus wise, they're very close together. Um, so first one, we'll kind of go to the WHL. Um, we'll talk about two players that we kind of see usually in the top 10, top 12. Um, and those two players are forwards. They are Zach Benson and Braden Yeager. Um, since Jordan, you caught, you started us off. How about you start us off with Zach Benson or Yeager? Yeah, I think, I think it's Zach Benson. And I don't think it's really close. Um, when I, when I just think back into Linka, I think Zach Benson was just, probably the best offensive creator um, and in transition player almost in the whole tournament. And Jaeger was a player that honestly, I came away pretty confused of, okay, this is supposed to be a top 10 guy, 10 top five guy at the time. Um, and he kind of just fizzled in and out of play and you didn't really notice him at times. So, and then I watched more of him and yeah, he's, he's kind of just one of those guys that sometimes he really pops off. He can shoot, but you're really looking for, okay, what does he do the other 90% of the time? And Zach Benson is just someone who's involved all the time, creates a ton, highly creative, um, plays with a ton of pace, and just somebody that I think the upside is almost endless with him. So um, he's one that makes me really excited. Yep, yep. I uh, yeah, I also lean towards Zach Benson um, for all of the reasons that Jordan said. <laughs> and, yeah, I... Um, you know, I, I am intrigued with what Jaeger brings to the table in terms of his finishing ability. I questioned, I, I question his role as a center. I want to see him tested on the wing. Um, yeah, I, yeah, like, I feel like I want, like, the reverse Oliver Moore. Like, I, you know, like, I want to see what Jaeger can be on the, uh, on the wing. And so right now, I, 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 yeah, I definitely lean towards Benson because, yeah, I just, I mean, I just haven't seen Jaeger pop the, the, the way that people think he has popped. 
if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I agree. And the only thing I'd add is that I think he's just, uh, I think the operative word Jordan you used was confused was probably the best way to, to say when watching Braden because it's, um, you know, he'll, there's moments where something great will happen and where, like he'll, he'll be able to use his skill and get on his edges and go around and, and kind of have a, he's got a really nice, uh, nice shot. But then there's also times, there's periods of a game where he's just not touching the puck. And it's just kind of like as a center, you don't, you expect him to be more involved in transition games and a puck transporter through the middle of the ice. And he's not really doing that so much. I mean, he's deferring a lot to like Fergus and um, to other members of, of his line on the Moose Jaw. Um, so to Josh's your point, it's when you when I frame him as kind of maybe he's a winner. It, I kind of come around a little bit more on him than um, thinking of of him as a center. So I agree 100 percent with with what both of y'all are saying. Um, Josh, we're gonna go to you next to start. Uh, we're gonna go OHL WHL crossover here. Um, two players, one kind of top ten, the other one's kind of scattered across of where they where they're ranked. Uh, Caleb Ritchie or Andrew Cristal. Wow, this is uh putting me on the spot. Um yeah, this is this is a difficult one. <laughs> Cause, you know, the way that Andrew Cristal has performed um, you know, from the get-go this year, you know, I you know, I want to preface that by saying like I enjoyed his Hail Inca play and there were things about his Hail Inca play that I'm sorry, NHL. Uh, I'm sorry, Gary Bettman. Um, uh, hold on. I'm just going to put my phone on mute. <laughs> and go Leafs, go. Um, go Sens, go. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, like, yeah. So, like, there were... Yeah, so, like, I really, really enjoyed watching Andrew Crystal's, um you know, ability to, sorry, I really enjoyed watching uh, Crystal's stick handling, you know, especially down low and tight. Um, you know, he can, you know, he can just create so many, op- um, sorry, he can, he can just create so many opportunities for himself. And um, yeah, and with, you know, and, and to Callum Ritchie's credit, what's, um, you know, what's great about Callum Ritchie is that, you know, it's kind of like the opposite for him, which is like, you know, he's going to, you know, he's going to get targeted, be, you know, because he's going to be the primary puck mover. And, um, you know, and with that said, you know, he, you know, he can use his stick handling ability extremely well, um, you know, to manipulate uh, attackers and move them out of his way. Um, you know, so... Uh, you know, so both, I mean, you know, so both players are very, very intriguing, uh, you know, draft uh, prospect uh, assets. So it's hard. Right now, Eileen Callum Ritchie, but it's, but Andrew Cristal is not that far behind. It's like, like, it's like one or two spots. Yeah. Oh, for me, this is uh, this Andrew Cristal is my my draft crush this year, without a doubt. Like, I love this kid. This kid, you, I have a hard time talking myself down off of him. To be honest with you, I'd say the thing that kind of leans Richie is that he is a center. He's got 
uh, he's got size, and uh, he wins the award for like player whose blind mates I yell at the most for like please just like kill him or should do everything and stop trying to do things. Um, I I don't <laughs> I don't want to reference data all the time, but I was just looking as you were talking, Josh. I'm like, how bad are his line mates? He's uh, second to Connor Bedard in terms of like how many times his line mates just chuck the puck out of the zone or just don't have a controlled zone entry. So in terms of how bad his line mates are, if you think Bedard, if you're sitting here saying like Bedard's all vagina, like Richie's pretty much right in line and Richie has pretty good data along the right way but uh i don't know what cristal does offensively is just hilarious i mean he's just he's probably the premier playmaker in this entire draft in terms of, of what he can do in terms of passing the puck through the zone getting through stick handling um but yeah if you're looking for like a, a two-way center uh, i mean i think calum richie i think you brought up the holinka like cristal kind of worked his way into that lineup like it started off as like what the 13th forward on that team and ended up being in the top six pretty quickly and then richie was kind of like if I, I, I think I said to uh, Jordan earlier, I think if there's one thing I've really screwed up this year, it's how my assessment of how I did the Holinka was like how I was evaluating the Canadians during the Holinka. But if that being said, Caleb Ritchie was by far away my favorite player coming out of Canada uh, from after the Holinka. So um, can't go wrong with either, but I would lean Cristal. Jordan, you got an opinion? Yeah, I think Cristal. I, I, I just am more, I'm, I'm always betting on like, the high creativity, high skill, high playmaking rather than the two-way center. I guess that's just how I'm wired to bet on those guys. So um, it, it may seem a little bit spicy, I guess, this early in the season to say Cristal. Maybe not. I don't know. Consensus, I think Cristal is like 20 or so. Um, but yeah, I think there's just... Uh, you're swinging for upside with Cristal, and I think there's just plenty of upside there. So that's my personal, personal bet. Um, I think the next one is good for Austin with two NCAA players this is right up his alley um, with Matthew Wood and Gavin Brindley. Oh gosh, this is, this is hard. You know, um, uh, in terms of like, I can't believe, I can't believe Gavin Brindley is not in the top. Gavin Brindley is in my top 10. So this is like, for me, I feel like I'm on a way onto the spectrum that, that the consensus is on. Uh, so I, for me, it's a wide gap. Uh, I don't have Matthew Wood in my first round, and I have Gavin Brindley in my top 10. So um, the main reason I I could gush about Gavin Brindley all day. I'd say the biggest things really are is that he is the second-line center on Michigan. He has playing with Rucker McGrody and Jackson Hallam. They kind of rotate Jackson Hallam between the second and third line. Brindley, everything runs through Brindley on that second line in Michigan. He gets... Was he's one of the best transition players in the entire draft class. He's super involved in transition. He gets to the dangerous areas. Um, last podcast, I kind of brought up how him and Perron are very similar in that, but Perron kind of gets pucks to the dangerous areas. Passing-wise, Brindley just gets there five-on-five five and rip shots all day long. Um, he's fantastic defensively. He's smaller, but he, he's a pest. He can skate. Um, and then conversely, I haven't been impressed with Wood in the NCAA, and that's I know he's almost at a point per game, but I, I the pace is the pace is hurting him. And he, while from the waist up, like he can make some sick moves with his stick handling, and when he can get some uh, net front goals or he can get some space with a shot, he's really dependent on his line mates to really kind of get feed him the puck. He's not really touching the puck much at all until it hits the offensive zone. Um, and honestly, I probably picked the two worst sample size for him to watch because he took one shot in five on five from both those combined in those games. So he was kind of really inactive for something that he was really known for. Um, Jordan, you got an opinion on either or? 
I'll let Josh go first. He's uh, I think he saw Matthew Wood more recently. <laughs> uh, Brindley over Wood. Um, see, I, yeah, so I definitely agree with you on Brindley, you know, being, you know, being way more involved in play, um, you know, you know, and as, you know, and as the, the second line center, you know, he's, um, you know, he's definitely pushing play up the ice. He's speedy. Um, he's m- mobile. Um, you know, like there's, you know, like there's a lot of things to like about Gavin Brindley. And then on the flip side with Matthew Wood, um, you know, from, you know, from what I've seen, you know, he's, you know, he's a big power forward. Um, you know, the, you know, the shot is okay. Um, you know, most of his goals, I think, are coming on the power play, which, you know, if you've, you know, if you've listened to this podcast, you know that I hate the power play. So, um, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, you, you got to get some more 5v5 goals to, uh, to uh, impress me, unfortunately. <laughs> so, um yeah, so I so I lean towards Gavin Brindley. Yeah, so the reason I I guess delayed there was uh, I wanted I wanted to be sure of what I what I wrote. I was looking back on my notes what I wrote for, on Matthew Wood at the Halinka, and like the first thing I said, like he in the camp was just rode the bus of uh, Callum Ritchie and Zach Benson. Like he was just the perfect complimentary guy for them. He was finishing their chances, getting chances off them, but he wasn't driving the bus at all. And I always kind of pegged him as that guy who um, is just more of like a trigger man, I guess, rather than a playmaker or a creator. Um, and Gavin Brindley, I admittedly haven't watched him much since like his D minus two. He was one of those guys that, oh yeah, he's eligible for the draft this year. Like I remember watching him with Fargo a few years ago and like really liking him. Um, so I went back just before this started and checked out the clubs. Like, yeah, he's still good. He's highly dynamic, highly creative, and just um, again, and one of those guys, just like a ton of fun to watch. So I, I lean Brindley as well. You know, uh, Josh hates the power play, and Jordan hates 2004 born Americans. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm gonna kick one over. Um, Oh, we'll start with Josh with this one. We'll do two defensemen because we haven't talked defensemen at all. Uh, both in WHL, um, Luca Cagnioni or Caden Price? Caden Price. Caden Price. He, um, I like I like both defenders, um, but Price, um, you know, but Price is way, um, you know, is is far better in his is, yeah it's far better d- defensively um uh yeah i mean price yeah i mean price does a great job of taking away space um you know he um you know he he you know he definitely does well on the back check in the in the slot um and in the the offensive zone um you know he is creative. He works the boards. He he pinches up, um, and he you know and he looks for opportunities to 
you know, to feather passes to um, high and medium danger. And yeah, I, I, I like, I think he's the more, I, I think he's the more safe pick right now. I think, and on the flip side with Luca, Luca, you know, is is far more mobile. Um, you know, he, um, you know, he transports the puck extremely well. Um, you know, he's, you know, and he's got a, a lot of speed to his game. Um, you know, but I, you know, but when it comes to his defense, it's just not, it's just not as polished as prices. So right now, Eileen Price over over Cagnoni. I really don't have anything to add, Jordan. If you have anything to add, I, I yeah. was going to say here, I you hit it on the head. Um, I think the only thing I'd add is uh, Price is eight months younger as well. So I think uh, with it being all equal, and I like Price's defensive game a little bit more. I think Cagnoni's probably a little bit more fun offensively, but uh there's, there's a pretty significant gap between the two of them i think i have priced at like nine and cagnoni at like 19 but i i like both of them yeah i still so, haven't watched cagnoni play yet so got nothing here <laughs> i i also kind of alluded to like i don't uh with puck perhaps i'm kind of only focused on the 2005s at the moment so i need to do the 2004 soon so shameless plug for the other brand <laughs> we have one more in rapid fire before we kind of head over to the mailbag uh this is a, a josh special right here uh quentin musty or colby barlow josh you can start that one off since uh you put it on there i'm going barlow you guys this is hard i think I... oh you go ahead Oh, I don't know. You go first. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to say, uh, again, another one, if you asked me a month ago, I would have slammed um, Coley Barlow's name, but I think now I'm leaning the other direction. I think I was originally torn off with Musty of, um, he tried to do too much at the Linka, I thought a lot, and when the puck was on his stick, he was kind of getting burned for, for trying to do too much and trying to beat that first, second layer, and I think um, if he can learn to pick his spots better, that goes away, and you have a pretty dynamic, fun player who can make things happen, right? So, but Barlow, I came away the past couple of OHL viewings of thinking he's a guy that he's sort of at his best when um, the play is in the offensive zone, but he doesn't do a lot to get the play there. He's kind of just once he's in the offensive zone and the play is established in the offensive zone, he can create and and um, finish plays, but he definitely isn't like pushing play into the offensive zone where he thrives. So I think Mustia just offers a bit more than Barlow as Barlow may be a little bit one dimensional in that aspect, I guess. Yeah. I mean, they both, Barlow likes to kind of, Barlow just strikes me as just kind of like F1 likes to go around hitting you kind of player with a little bit of skill and Musty's kind of got a, lot, a little bit more flash and skill to him, but the pace of his game drives me insane sometimes um, where he can go just kind of coast for a little bit and then all of a sudden pick it up, pick and choose when he's going to uh, pick it up. Um, gosh, I'm going to lean Barlow, but uh it's hard. Musty gives me, there was moments during the Holinka camp that I was very excited. Uh, that was not very excited during the Holinka. There's been moments I've been excited with Musty during the season. And then with Barlow, I just, 
it's been a kind of even keel like i'm not that excited about him but i'm also not really that concerned about him so i think i think musty's the guy where if you watch like the right 10 games about him you're gonna love him if you watch the wrong 10 games about him you're gonna hate him that's Uh, that's that's perfect it's perfect i think he's just like one of those polarizing guys that either things are going really well or things are going really bad it and, could be uh, a five minute shift you hit it perfectly like you hit the <laughs> you write the you you find the right clips or the wrong clips it must you're gonna feel very strongly one way or another that's a great way to put it jordan um for me eileen i yeah eileen barlow um i he strikes me to be like a like i i hate coming up with an nhl comparable right now but like I feel like the I feel like the one for me right now is like a Tyler Toffoli, if like if he like if he really figures it out, um, and um, in like he's not like he's not as speedy as you know as a, um, you know as you know as you would want him to be, but um, you know, but he. Um, you, you know, you know, but, you know, but he, you know, but he can definitely use his strength, um, uh, you know, and, and physicality, he, um, you know, and he's got solid reach, um, you know, and he, you know, and he grabs onto loose pucks and, you know, and he has a quality shot from range. And so I definitely think there is some, you know, Tyler Toffoli, um, you know, there. Um, you know, if, you know, if things go well with his development. Josh, cut here. Josh, you want to transition to mailbag? Yeah, I'm okay. just, you know, NHL uh, comparables already. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> boy. Um, which undrafted D plus one players have most stood out uh, to you so far? Not in terms of production, but uh, rather in progression. This was submitted by Sebastian High. Guess? Um, it's, I don't know. I don't think I've watched anyone in depth um, for 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 uh, an overager. I think the one that stuck out to me the most watching, kind of just watching players play against, was Zechariah Wisdom. Um, I he I like I had him ranked at the the back half. I think we ranked him in the back half of our, our rankings as well. Um, he was a player that kind of had some transition uh, ability last year. It flashed. It was, he wasn't super involved, um, but he was a su- I, he, he could skate. He had skill um, and he popped. He just didn't have production numbers. And he, I don't think he was that involved. And this year, I think he's taking a giant leap and he's super noticeable when you watch him play uh, uh, in the USHL. I think he's over a point per game. I think he's going to Colorado college. Now I think he signed his commitment letter or, uh, or his, yeah, I think he's he's committed now to a D1 program too. So um, he's the one who who kind of was like, oh, who's that? Who's that? Who's that person? And then I looked up, I was like, oh, that's Zachariah. So um, he's probably the one that that's popped watching other players this year. Uh, Jordan, uh, I could have a whole manifesto on this subject, but <laughs> I don't uh, I don't watch a ton of D plus one guys. Um, it takes a lot for me to want to invest time in watching D plus one guys to they have to really move the needle um, because essentially you're comparing like him today versus the rest of the class like a year from now or eight months from now. So 
Um, I, I haven't honestly haven't watched any D plus ones in isolation and haven't really caught anyone in the peripherals that stands out to me worth mentioning. Um, yeah, for me, I, um, you know, right now I am primarily in, um, you know, craftier mode. Um, you know, and with that said, you know, I'm constantly watching players and so, um, you know, and so if I see a DY plus one or a DY plus two player, you know, you know, playing noticeably well, um, you know, I definitely keep tabs on him and, you know, and if he's consistently performing well, you know, I, you know, I, I might give him a few more looks throughout the year. Um, but, you know, with that said, I think so far, um, I, I like Gavin Bryant. There was a game, uh, is Gavin Bryant on North Bay or Owen Sound? Do you guys, do you guys know? I should know these uh, things, but I don't. I don't remember, but I feel like we were watching this game together. Owen Sound. Yeah. Uh, there was a game with Gab Bryant that I liked. Um, I, yeah, I'm, yeah, I was definitely intrigued. I'm gonna, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, for Cole Knubel, but I mean, I thought he should have been drafted last year, right? Yeah, I think he looks good to the series. Austin Roast in WHL caught a game of his, and I was like, oh, I need to check that kid out. But I mean, I don't really have too many uh, strong opinions on the subject. <laughs> um, what's the, the next question? Uh, oh, gotcha. Hey guys, long time caller, first time listener. Uh, is there a legitimate case to be made for Fantilli over Bedard? That was submitted by uh, Matthew uh, Soma. Um, yep. Uh, uh, they tried a question. Um, <laughs> we're all, uh, if you could see us right now, we're all touching our nose saying not it for this one to go first. <laughs> you want me to take this one first, Josh? Sure. I mean, privately, I think a couple weeks ago, I started floating this idea around uh, just to be like, hey, look, is there a case to be made for this? Um, and I think we talked about it a little bit on the podcast before, um, or at least in private, um, about like what I would want to see from Fantilli to overtake Bedard. But um, I think there's a case. I don't, I don't think I could do it myself. I lean Fantilli a little bit stronger than I did in the past, but I, I still don't think I have the um, the courage to put him ahead of Bedard right now. If you're going to make the argument, it's strictly based off of the fact that uh, Fantilli is playing a very strong two-way center game. He's a big, bigger, big player with uh, showing tremendous offensive skill, and Bedard's um, probably the smaller, probably not even as quick as Fantilli, um, and you're just kind of leaning into, is Bedard really playing any sort of defense uh, with Regina? But we've talked about that before, but it doesn't feel like that's, a, that feels like a more systematic thing than it does just a, a shot at Bedard right now. So um, I think you can make a case. I don't think I'm going to try and make a case in a couple weeks when we do rankings, but uh, I'm sure there's at least a, a window open a little bit to, to that you can, you can, you can pick an argument and you can make an argument for it. Yeah. I, I'm just not saying no at this point. Like I, I really haven't watched much of Fantilli. Um, 
but I just think it would be a little bit premature to crown anybody the consensus number one in November at the time of recording this. So there's still like five, six months left of the season um, that Fantilli could continue to make his case and Bedard, like, I don't know, not, not fizzles out or stops scoring or whatever, but um, I, I just, I think it would be a little bit premature to crown anybody number one when both these players are that talented. But um, at the moment, I would, would say Bedard, I guess, because he is like eight months younger or something, nine months younger. Like he is quite a bit younger um, than Fantilli, but yeah, I don't think you can anoint anybody number one at this stage, or at least, I don't know. Even last year, I felt, I, I personally leaned Shane Wright, but I was open to conversation about somebody else. Um, yeah. So even even though I think he should be number one, like I'll entertain the conversation of, at the like I would have entertained Cooley. Like that, that wouldn't have been two diametrically me. opposed situations too. Like, <laughs> you know, and it's like Fantilli's on a super line on a super team in the NCAA and Bedard's trying to carry Regina by himself with Tanner Howell right now. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and Suzdalov, so. Sam Aremba. <laughs> um, yeah, I, yeah, Eileen Bedard as well. Um, I think it's, I mean, yeah, Jordan, yeah, Jordan hit the nail on the head. It's, it's too soon to, you know, announce that, you know, anybody is dethroned Connor Bedard, you know, I, you know, what I've, you know, what I've seen from this kid at, you know, um, I, yeah, no, <laughs> it's too, um, yeah, it, it's too early. I do think it's possible, but it's too, I mean, but it, it's too early. Um, yeah. I, it's, I, it's going to yeah. be a preference pick too. So, you know, yeah. they're, they're two different players and it's, it's, they're exceptional at both. And it's, it, it's kind of like a, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to use comparisons, but when you have two players who can be number one picks in any other draft in the same draft, it's going to be tough. Yeah. Um, so onto our next question we have from Brian Stu, who has already come out of nowhere for you from not on your radar at all to all aboard the hype train. Who wants to go first? Um, I feel uh, like we have the same answer, Jordan. I'm gonna be. I, is it Bradley Nadeau for us? Like, um, you I mean, you could have that one. I was gonna go somewhere else, but okay. I mean, I Jordan has been sending me this name for like three weeks and I purposely put it off to today. So he, every time he asks me, I can look at him and just tell him like, Hey Jordan, I don't trust your analysis. I'm never going to listen to you and just not going to watch this player. He must stink. Um, so, but no, he, he's a lot of fun. He's in the BCHL. Um, and I was surprised how much I enjoyed the pace of his game, how much he controls play. Uh, he's super skilled uh, for being in the BCHL. Um, I don't, I don't remember his County stats, but they're stupid. Like, like there's like he's he's doing very well there um so i to me that was the player that i went from like hey i don't even think i'm gonna look at this player until we get out of the top 32 to like firmly planting somewhere in the late teens to mid 20s in our in our ranking so that's where i would go i mean i've been like pleasantly surprised by uh dimitri simishev um you know he's a he's a strong defensive defenseman uh, playing for uh locomotive uh Yaroslav, um, you know, and he's been and he's been getting good KHL minutes, 
um uh you know there's um you know there's Czech d- defenseman Jakob Dvorak um you know any other um you know any other big d- d- defensive uh defenseman um but maybe you know but maybe you get a little bit of like an Eric Chernak out of him um you know uh you know so I'm so I'm looking at him at at a you know at a potential like 28 to 32 uh range prospect from for me at least um so yeah so um yeah so i yeah so i mean like you know i mean like at that range i mean you're looking for you know players that are safe um you know players that are going to get i mean players that are going to get nhl minutes um so yeah what you got for joining um, yeah, I think this ties into the next question pretty well, but um, I think for me, it's Luca Pinelli. Um, he just, like, I watched a lot of 67s games last year living in Ottawa. Mind um, you, I guess I wasn't really in scouting form when I was at those games, but, um, and at the Holinka camp, I didn't, he didn't really move the needle enough for me to really think that him being cut was a big omission. Um, I, di- I didn't see him stand out a ton. He didn't really pop off the page to make me say that he was in a mission, which I don't know if you're not in the top 12 Canadian forwards in your age group, you're probably not a first round player just based on the numbers. And uh, so far this season, he's been playing extra- extraordinarily well. And I think he's probably a first round pick um, on our list when we go to have that discussion at the very least, like one of the first names not on it. Um, but I just think he's somebody that to me, I kind of wrote off, I guess a bit. And now I'm coming around on him again. I talked about him last week. I really don't have anything to add with what we talked about, but I think you hit it on the head. It's it's a, it's a kind of kind of classic example of uh, you can't write people off after the Holinka. Then all of a sudden, you know, he's looked he's looked really good playing with uh, Vince's Roar and and Tyler Boucher. Um, well, that bleeds into the last question we have for the night. Well, actually, second last question. Uh, Second last question that I look at Pinelli. So you said, is that your final answer, Jordan? You'd have him kind of back end of your first. Do you have a number at all of where, of where you think about him right now, or just kind of banging the table that he try and get into the first round, early second? Having watched zero European hockey and zero 2004 so thus far, I'd say 23. <laughs> With extreme confidence. <laughs> I have no, I have no I idea. hate you, dude. I was gonna say twenty three. I was like, right now, it's like, <laughs> sitting at twenty three on my list. So yeah, it's, I, I, <laughs> somehow, somehow with zero European adult forwards, you have hit it right where I am. So uh, you're way better at this than I am. Uh, Josh, you have any idea where you where you put Pinelli? Have you watched him at all? Uh, definitely in that twenty to thirty range. Um, yeah, I, um, yeah, but there's. Yeah, but there's, I mean, but there's a really, really good gap of, of players there, so um, it's hard. Um, yeah, it'll, um, yeah, I, I haven't, like, I haven't really placed where, you know, where exactly he would be quite yet in, you know, in that 20 to 30, um, you know, range yet. I mean, like, my rankings are very, very, like, loose, so, um, you know, so over, um, you know, so over the course of every single viewing, you know, I will go back and, you know, 
you know, shift guys up and down. But um yeah. Um yeah, so no, he's definitely in that twenty thirty range. I agree. And it, the Europeans are gonna be a big player for me in terms of where he ends up in a couple weeks for us. Uh, last question of the night we have here. Uh, last week, there was a poll. It was split 50-50. Um, so, Josh, once again, Jordan or I, who's staying at Smart? We both are. It's not allowed. You have to answer the question. You both are. <laughs> On next podcast, Jordan and I kick Josh off and form smart, Smarter Scouting. And... <laughs> <laughs> Okay. But, Josh will not get pick. <laughs> so um so uh for um so for uh so I just wanna brag, um, but in the football league that I uh that I am in with both of you, um I scored uh a whopping second two hundred and forty points. Uh, it was two. It was two hundred forty to one hundred and twenty-one. My team just killed it. Brady, Chubb, McCaffrey, C. Lamb, Olavi, Waddle, Tanyan, Paul, uh, Pollard, Hurts, Falk. What off? How did we get the fantasy football? We were supposed to fire one of us. <laughs> <laughs> He's trying to I'm... skirt the question. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get an answer one of these podcasts, Jordan. It's going to happen. The people deserve it, Josh. I'm keeping both of you. Next question. If That's there's it. one. <laughs> we just got to sign off. That's all we got to do. All right. Well, thank you guys for uh, for joining me, uh, Jordan. Uh, maybe we'll see you next week. Probably not. <laughs> yeah, I'm not here if Austin's here. <laughs> we could talk about some OHL draft stuff. Ooh. That is something I would want to hear pick Jordan's brain on, though. It's not that interesting. <laughs> <laughs> These kids are like two, three years away from being relevant to you guys, so. <laughs> All righty. All right. But. All right, but we we are right, but we will try to wrangle back Jordan for uh for next week's episode. Um and uh and and thank you all for listening and uh and uh we will uh and and uh you will hear from us next week. Go Patriots. <laughs>